Welcome to Sacred Justice, a podcast that features discourse rooted in the pursuit of justice as sacred practice. Our weekly discussions reflect on current events, art, media, theology, and how they intersect with the movements for freedom and liberation. We hope that through these conversations, we can foster inclusivity by expanding our learning opportunities. We hope to cultivate digital community beyond the confines of our campus. And we hope to reconnect the church's social and spiritual callings. Join us for the journey. This episode contains some brief language regarding suicidal ideation, gender dysphoria, and violence against trans folks. Although it is brief, we hope that if you listen, you do take care of yourselves. We hope you enjoy the conversation. Hello, everyone. I am Reverend Mia McLean, and I'm here with a special guest today. But before we get into that, I just want to say welcome to Charlotte Pride Month. It is a weird year. We are still in the pandemic, and so a lot of our usual August Pride events are happening other times, like the parade is happening in October and some other events in September and November. But we still wanted to honor this month, as we've done for the past two years, to do some of what we call here at Myers Park Baptist proud theology, proud theology. Now, this is not going to get too deep into religion or anything like that. But we do believe that this podcast merges all things from current events to arts to social justice issues. And all of that affects our faith journeys as people at Myers Park Baptist Church. And we are so excited to welcome a special guest. Now, in the past, we've had a variety of conversations about theology. And even at Myers Park Baptist Church, we have statements affirming LGBTQIA communities and et cetera and beyond because we know those those um, letters are limiting. Uh, but one of the one of the things that we struggle with uh, still at the church um, is really understanding transgender and gender expansive communities. Um, I remember when we changed the bathroom sign to all who identify as instead of just having women or men. And um, there was some chatter about that, even for a church as progressive um, and forward thinking as we have been over the past 30 years, there's still a little bit of, um, there's an educational curve. And so I wanted to bring a special guest to just open our minds a little bit more as we go into August, which is Pride Month in Charlotte, North Carolina. I am here with well, I'll let Bethany introduce Bethany's self, but Bethany is the executive director of Transcend Charlotte. And Transcend's mission is to pursue equity and social justice for transgender and gender expansive communities through education, advocacy, mental health, and social support services. Bethany, please introduce yourself. Tell us who you are. Tell us a little bit more about Transcend and what you all have been doing in the Charlotte community. 
Thank you so much, me. I'm so honored to be here. Um, as you said, my name is Bethany. My pronouns are they, them, and I am the executive director of Transcend Charlotte. Um, I am from the Charlotte area, was raised here. Um, you know, much of my adult career was spent outside of the state of North Carolina, but have, have since come back with my partner and we live here. Um, and, you know, I first came to Transcend looking for community. And I think that is one of the core tenets of why this organization even exists. And um, in looking for community was able to find a more substantial role in the actual operation of the organization. So um, I, I appreciated what you said earlier too around the discussion and, and the, the you know track that this will take. Transcend is a nonpartisan organization. And you know I just have to say my little disclaimer that Transcend um, neither um, affirms nor denies any one religion. We, we um, you know, do not recommend or, or imply that anyone should practice or not practice uh, spirituality in any one way, but we are really happy when we have the opportunity to partner with various communities, including the religious spiritual community, um, because, you know, as you said, our mission is the pursuit of equity and social justice. And to me, what that means is that we do not create a safe bubble wherein once you're inside, you're okay. But after you leave that, all bets are off. Good luck to you. The concept here is that we, we work within the community and the structures that exists to ensure that everywhere is a safe space. Everywhere uh, folks are living their authentic truth and enjoying their their human rights the same that anyone else is. So thank you so much and uh, I'm excited to chat with you. Yes, yes. Thank you for being here. Um, for those of you, and I want to take a moment just for brief education as well, um, Myers Park Baptist Church has been at the forefront of these uh, issues and there is still an educational curve. And so um, when we talk about pronouns, for those of you who are watching um, the video version of this on YouTube, uh, you see these little parentheses and things behind our names. Those are pronouns. Um, we cannot assume that everybody knows what that means when we put that behind our names. Um, I use she, her. Um, Bethany has told us what Bethany uses. And um, there is so there are so many resources on Transcend's website, Bethany, that I've been looking at that points to pronouns and other things that we'll get into later. But I want to encourage you and empower anybody listening or watching to go to that website and, and, and figure out some things to educate yourself. The resources are there. Um, and I, I believe that if it's on Transcend's website, that it's the most up to date and latest information. Would you agree? Absolutely. And, you know, the, the one thing that I'll say about that, and I just want to create a space where people can acknowledge, you know, a lot of folks who are new to this concept of, of introducing one's pronouns and, and reiterating one's pronouns and using one's pronouns more, more frequently in conversation. You know, when, when you kind of bring this concept up to people, you see the eye rolls. People will say, oh, gosh, I've even seen, I think, you know, there, there are some, I, I won't say their names, but there are some celebrities who say, oh, well, I don't mind what you are, who you are, but just enough with the pronoun talk and blah, blah, blah. And the one thing I want to say about that is if you can make it personal and really think to yourself what this would mean to me if it, if, if, if it meant the difference between respect and disrespect, dignity and, uh, you know, being debased in public, you know, if, if someone thinks that pronouns aren't important to them, they're wrong. The difference is that no one has ever challenged you in the use of your pronouns. So every day, someone refers to you in third person pronouns, either she, her, he, him, they, them, as I said, and, and we could do a whole several hours on neo pronouns, which are alternate pronouns that people can use for, for non-binary identities. But every day, these are referenced. And the difference is that 
folks who have been historically oppressed or historically marginalized are the ones who have to stake their claim and say, but this is who I am and I deserve as much respect as you do because it's outside of what's comfortable for people. It's outside of what is quote unquote normative for people. And so, you know, I've, I've taught lectures where I ask people, think of a core tenet of your identity. Maybe it's parenthood. Maybe it's the fact that you are a teacher or, or a healthcare worker, or that, you know, you work in film, whatever it is. And, and if someone came up to you and said, you cannot use the word photographer anymore, because I think it's, it's silly. You have to use the word, photo creationist. Do you know what I mean? Like if someone were projecting on this issue, if someone said you can't be a parent anymore, from now on, I'm going to call you aunt because that's how I perceive you to be. And someone who who feels themselves to be a mother or, or someone who is a, a father or, or, or a non-binary parent, and, and someone is constantly telling you that doesn't apply to you anymore because I, as someone, you know, adjacent to you think that it's silly. And if you can kind of take that on throughout the day and think, gosh, you know, this is something that's important to me. And I don't know how I would react all day long if someone was challenging that, then maybe you can start to have a little bit of empathy and grace for the, the fact that it takes courage. And there is a great, a, a much larger uh, mental burden and emotional burden that are put on folks for living their authentic truth when when it, it exists outside of the cultural um, standard or, mm. or for that time period. So I just kind of wanted to plug that. You know, I, I know that we have these automatic processes and these automatic reactions to things. And I've, I've, I've seen the eye rolls and, you know, you don't want to call anybody out. But if you can take a moment to have that internal check and think, why am I rolling my eyes about about language that is referencing someone who is not myself? and take the time to do that introspection, it could be really fruitful. Mm. Thank you for sharing that. We're gonna get more into that pronoun talk a little bit later. Um, I have a story. I, I wanna get more into sort of the first time you were awakened to pronoun use. Um, but before that, I wanna offer a brief recap for those of you who have not listened to the Proud Theology series the past two years. The first year, Reverend Ben Boswell and I sat down and we went through these different books, queer theology books, uh, womanist queer theology, et cetera, et cetera. And then we got critiqued by one of our members who's non-binary, who said that uh, we as two cis het people uh, should have had guests and they were right. <laughs> so, um, you know, and in the, in the moment of us curating that original conversation in 2019, we were just kind of going through different literature. So we weren't even thinking about, oh my God, we are two cis het people, cisgender heterosexual people having this conversation. So then last year I invited that person who critiqued us onto the podcast and they were phenomenal and really opened my eyes to, I mean, I'm learning things still too about non-binary identity and transgender identity and the different language around uh, these things. And so I hope that if you want to, you could go to our website and look up Proud Theology and listen back, particularly to the bonus episode last year with that special guest who, brilliant, brilliant person, who also has probably been, you probably know Bethany, um, uh, kind of came up in Time Out Youth and now does some work on occasion with Transcend. So uh, before we get into the, the heart of the conversation, this section of the podcast, we talk about news and culture. Are there any current events that are stirring up in you that you wanna talk about briefly or share? Uh, Yes, I'm going to take a moment to make a shameless plug. And again, I will reiterate that Transcend is a nonpartisan organization. However, 
you know, this is something that trips people up a lot of times, you know, if, nonpartisan means that we will not and could not um, endorse a specific candidate or a specific political party. However, as you know, Mia, civil and social justice issues are oftentimes politicized because, and what that means is that there is going to be a point in time where everything that is important to somebody will go into a legislative battle, right? Reproductive rights, civil rights, voting rights, everything that's important. So when we say we're nonpartisan, it does not mean that we are not heavily involved in advocacy for policies that protect all community members. And so that's just a little bit of a disclaimer and a little bit of a clarification. And the reason that I say that is because I would love to bring up an issue that is really, really important. And I'm, I'm not sure when this podcast will air, um, but in Charlotte Mecklenburg County right now, there is a huge push. Uh, we, we've been working since, well, let me back up. In 2015, you mentioned bathrooms. There was a statewide bill that was passed and, you know, it was notoriously known as the bathroom bill, HB2. And that was followed uh, closely on the heels by HB142. And basically the point that I want people to take away from that is that in 2015, there was a bill that was passed in North Carolina that prohibited basically blocked the passage of any ordinances that protected folks against non against discrimination in Mecklenburg County aside from what already existed. And the reason that's important is because currently in Mecklenburg County and many other cities in, in North Carolina as well, there are no protections for folks based on their gender identity or expression or natural hairstyles. And there are a few other, um, but the, those are two very important ones to us, um, other characteristics. But currently there are no uh, city ordinances that protect folks in their place of employment, especially for private employers under under 15 people in public housing in public transportation and so on and so forth. And so um, Transcend has been, you know, even with our small size, very grateful and honored to be part of a larger contingent of LGBTQ nonprofits in the area. The the Carolinas Chamber of Commerce, we've been working with Charlotte Plyde. Pride, Charlotte Black Pride, uh, Equality NC, Center for Family, or excuse me, um, the Campaign for Southern Equality. There's a lot of acronyms. Yeah. Um, and uh, the Freedom Center. There's just quite a few. But basically, we, uh, LGBTQ Democrats, um, but basically, we have all come together to work on a nonpartisan um, campaign to see these ordinances pass. And finally, um, and the reason that we're able to do that now is because in, in uh, the end of 2020, after that five year ban, the um that that bill was up it was called the sunset of hb142 which meant that now these ordinances could be passed and the reason that's so important for timing right now is that on august 9th there is finally a draft it is a, a a bipartisan draft that has been contributed to by all city council members and we have been very graciously invited by various members of city council to to read it provide feedback we were very grateful for that opportunity um and so basically that is up for a vote by the city council and that will take place on August 9th. Um, quite a few of us will be there in person to, to continue to urge the council to, to make this you know, happen. And so basically what I would encourage all of your community members to do, you can go to cltisready.org and you can sign a petition. Um, keep an eye out for the August 9th meeting. There might be ways to get involved personally. Um, but basically just raise some, raise some, raise your voice, make some noise because, um, you know, these, these types of protections, uh, matter to everyone, whether or not you think they apply to you. Yeah. And, um, and it's just, it's just really important. It's a very important message. It sets a precedent. It affects, it affects our, our, the culture of our city. Um, a lot of other, 
Uh, counties in North Carolina have already led the way in this area. So Asheville, Buncombe County, uh, Raleigh, Durham. Um, so, so there are others, Carborough, the city of Carborough. So basically it's time, it's time for Charlotte to take that step. We are huge banking industry city. We have a lot of, uh, culture and, you know, yeah. just a lot of things going on and it's, it's time. So that's been on my brain quite a bit. <laughs> that's important. And this episode will yeah. air August 5th. So it'll, it'll be in time for, for that to happen. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Um, so what's the web is CLT ready? T CLT is ready. CLT is ready. Mm -hmm. dot org. Oh, cool. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yep. So um, we'll make sure to put that in our description mm -hmm. when we uh, release this to our various platforms. CLT is ready. dot org. Yep. Um, please go and do that. That's important. And even being nonpartisan, we need to be at the the forefront of these public policy issues. Um, public policy transcends partisanship, and we need to be aware of that as well. Yeah. Um, you just said something that, that jogged my memory. You said, even if you think it doesn't affect you, it does. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to hop on over to my current event, which is the Olympics. And I've been sort of in the uproar about the Olympics. And I actually had a tweet that went viral about a month ago. And it, I mean, oh. it never go viral. I mean, my DMs are in shambles on social media. <laughs> but um, basically, I was critiquing the Olympics for the banning of certain um, athletes who were either trans women or their testosterone levels tested above whatever the whatever the, I don't know, <laughs> the yes. limit is. I don't know, that's so bizarre to me. And so I did this tweet kind of detailing within the past two months or so, all of the women identified people who were banned from competing in their respective uh, activities because of either a testosterone issue, we'll call it, or because they were transgender. And um, one, a lot of the negative feedback that I got, you know, in my, don't, don't ever read the comments, but a lot of the <laughs> negative feedback that I got were people saying, you know, um, I was comparing that, that issue to the fact that Sha'Carri Richardson was also banned for um, uh, ha having marijuana in her system. And people were saying, those are two separate things. And I'm like, no, they're not. <laughs> they're, they come from the same place, right? So. So the, the, the over-policing of the uh, women-identified body or bodies in general are all connected, whether it's marijuana or it's the fact that testosterone is not within the bounds that they consider a woman should be. Mm -hmm. All of this is connected. Even if you are a cisgender woman, you should be uh you should be speaking out about these these issues and so i'm curious about your thoughts have you been following any of that chatter on olympics i'm just i'm just uh i can't say in, uh i've always been awakened to this this is something within the past four years that i've been thinking about where do transgender and non-binary athletes get to compete i mean and this is a heavily gendered society where it's like male sports and female sports and men and women so I don't know if you've been following, but any thoughts on that? So many thoughts. I could go off for hours. So the first thing that I want to say, I always try to plug sources that have really had an impact on me. So um, there is a really wonderful um, advocate in the trans community, a very wonderful educational source. Um, his name is Skylar Baylor. Uh, I believe, now I, I don't want to misquote here, but I believe he was the first trans man to swim in uh, Harvard's competitive 
uh, male swim team. Um, and I had the, the privilege of being on um, an educational call with Skylar at one point. And, and if anyone is really interested in breaking this down, because again, this is one of those moments when I mentioned the pronouns and the eye rolls, when you start to talk about sports, especially for people who are very invested, a lot of folks will say, well, this isn't fair to women if you let trans women play on cis women teams or, or vice versa. Um, and Skylar is just really wonderful, breaks a lot of that down and, and comes from an actual place of experience of actually having competed. I am not an athlete. I do have a lot of thoughts on it. So I would just encourage people, I believe um, their website is pinkmantaray.com. And um, there's just a lot of really cool educational resources. So that's just a quick plug and a quick thank you because I've learned a lot um, from their platform. But one thing that really struck me that they were talking about, it, it, so, so a couple of things. To your point, and this is you know, something that we say at Transcend, right? Is that we never talk about gender in isolation. We always talk about it in the context of race or disability or or you know, other other points of, of an individual's identity, right? Because when you oftentimes folks are are forced to decide what identity am I going to stand my ground on today, right? What microaggressions are going am I gonna let go because it's more important to focus on this? Am I gonna am I gonna let go of you know, racial microaggressions, because today it's more important for me to defend my pronouns or, you know, vice versa. Um, and so, and I bring that up in the context of this conversation, because, you know, a lot of this comes back to what is our modern concept of gender and the gender binary more specifically. And when I say the gender binary, I mean the structure under which we operate that defines two genders alone, male, female, opposites on the end of um, you know, a, a, a two, you know, uh, poles, you know, so a, a magnet, there's a plus and a minus, there's a male and a female. And that is a very Anglo-Saxon Euro colonized concept, right? We Historically, we can prove that the concept of diverse gender identities beyond the, the gender binary exist in indigenous cultures around the world for you know, as long as we can, as long as there's documentation from an anthropological perspective of communication and, and folks existing on this earth. And so the concept of the binary um, and another great, another uh, great um, educational source, and this person is also available on Instagram, is Alokvide Menon. And they've done some really great uh, breakdowns. They are a non-binary advocate and educational spoken word artist. And they have done a lot of breakdowns. There's a lot of great literature out there that you can review and read. And the concept that I hear them, you know, repeating over and over again is that the same systems that that implemented the, or excuse me, the same groups of people who implemented this concept of the binary also, you know, implemented the systems that led to modern enslavement and to, you know, and into the erasure of indigenous cultures, because it was all the same. It was all about groups of people coming in, taking power and erasing um, anything that was different from that power structure. And so, and so to your point, I think that they are all the same conversations because when you start to see when rules are ambiguously uh, applied in the context of the Olympics, for example, you can start to see similarities in who is being disqualified. Yeah. So to your point, and I, I, now I haven't been following this closely. Again, I'm not a, a sports person, but I do believe that the the two women who were who faced opposition in terms of their participation given their testosterone levels were were they black? Both they were black. They were um, uh, Namibian. Namibian. Right. Yeah. So so the point here is that you can always see um, trends, right? That it's policing of 
women's bodies, it's policing of trans bodies, it's policing of black bodies, of brown bodies, of indigenous bodies. And, and that is, that is a historical structure that whether or not people think they are operating out of, they are because the Olympics, right, were designed, right, all, most of our modern structures, the historical, uh, you know, context of that, they were created by very similar, you know, white, affluent, middle-aged men, uh, cis men, I should say. So, um, and, you know, this is not, something I have to do too is just kind of check and say, you know, anyone listening to this podcast, it's very easy to have an emotional reaction when we start making these comments because the immediate reaction everyone will always have is defensiveness. I experience that as well. Someone makes a statement and I feel, well, wait a minute, that's not true because I like the Olympics. That can't be true because I am white. That can't be true because so on and so forth. And the thing that I'll ask you to do is just to take a minute check in with yourself and ask yourself, where is that trigger coming from, right? Because for example, anyone who's watching this podcast, and I'll just reiterate this, I am a white femme cis presenting person, right? Regardless of my pronouns, regardless, this is the perception that people have of me. And, and because of that, because my family did immigrate from, you know, my, 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 my father's side is Jewish and my mother's side is Italian. So at some point, you know, my, my, both my parents were first generation American that, you know, there was an immigration from Europe. And so whether or not personally, I believe I have oppressed or marginalized or people say, well, I didn't, you know, my family didn't own slaves. That's not the point. Yeah. The point is that you benefit from privilege representing a group of people who have systematically oppressed other people. And I have to own that, right? I have to own that narrative and that history to understand how my presence and operation through the systems that we create and, and, and continue to uphold affect other people. So I would just ask everyone to take a moment and understand I am not calling anyone on this podcast a racist or transphobic or homophobic. I'm asking you to understand how your very presence on this earth upholds or or is attempting to better or even break down oppressive systems mm. and there's more we can all do there's more i can do so that's all we're talking about here and i think in the context of the olympics it's really really important because especially after covid there are people who find who have looked forward to this who find hope who find um dignity who find you know pride in the concept of uh, athletic competition and to me, that can only be true if it's equitable. I mean, the whole concept of the Olympics is bringing together different cultures, different countries. And if we are systematically erasing voices and bodies and people who should be represented, what is the point of the competition? Yes. And one other thing I wanted to say, and the whole reason I brought up Skylar Baylor, um, they did a really phenomenal breakdown and, and I don't wanna butcher it. So I'll just kind of mention the highlights and ask people to go reference um, his, his work. But, Something that we don't understand, again, talking about systems, is that various athletic competitions are, are mandated and overseen by various governing bodies. So, for example, public schools, when we're talking about banning trans athletes in public school systems at the state level, that is a different but heavily related conversation to when we're talking about um, uh, you know, competitions and that are that are regulated by collegiate at the collegiate level. And then and then the Olympics are a completely different governing body than, for example, professional sports. And each professional sport has its own governing body. So, and, and NASCAR, for example, is a private company. So what people don't understand is that it's not it is one conversation, but it gets very complicated when you start talking about how do you make a standard and regulate it? Right. Mm. And the easier way to say is, well, there's two groups of people. Some have this 
hormone or this genitalia and some have this and that's how we're going to separate it. But that's not how it works, right? It's not how it works in medicine. We know that sex assigned at birth, right? Like that, that sex quote unquote is a spectrum and that it's very complicated and it, it completely exceeds the concept of just, you know, binary genitalia. And the same thing with gender. Gender is a spectrum. And so, you know, the point that I'm trying to make is that when we're talking about banning trans athletes in schools, right, and we're talking about pre-K through through uh, 12th grade, something that Skylar said and really struck me is that you can make all the rules you want, but let's talk about enforcement, right? Hmm. Schools, community level schools. Now, to say we're banning trans athletes, you know, trans girls, for example, from participating on cis girl volleyball teams. Okay, how are you going to, um, you know, enforce that? So, and as Skylar points out, it would be economically prohibitive, uh, prohibitive to screen absolutely every single person that gets on the team. So what would happen is that they would rely on something called accusation-based enforcement. So basically anyone would have the ability to go and say, that person's trans, they're lying get them off the team. And then what's going to happen in some states have even recommended, um, you know, genital inspection. Now put yourself in the position of a parent and yeah. somebody's going to come touch your child and try to prove that they are who they say they are. The, the very idea is so heinous. It's, it just borders on, it doesn't even border. It is absolute, in my opinion, child abuse. Mm. And it's just, it's just not feasible. So when you start to get into things like, like the Olympics and every country can make their own rules, but then the Olympic governing body has its own. The, the idea is that, for instance, you know, you think, well, that's only going to affect trans girls, right? You know, say that you're, you're somehow, you know, you don't even care about trans girls, but you're, no, that's not true because somebody could have an issue with another girl. And well, she's too good. You know, it's exactly what yeah. happened to these swimmers, right? Yeah. They're too good. They must not be femme. And, and the problem that I have with that from a feminist perspective is the, it gets down to this very sexist concept that we have that men will be infinitely better than women, which is why we have separate competitions to begin with, right? So That's the funny. minute someone starts to be really good, we're going to start saying, well, they must be trans, go look up there, mm -hmm. you know, make, make them, you know, go for an inspection. And, um, and so anyway, I, I, I definitely have thoughts. It, it enrages me. Um, I, my, my face is probably turning red. I have a very transparent face when I get upset. Um, so I hear you. I, and I, and again, I think that it is, it is all one in the same thing. It is whether intentionally or unintentionally born from a white, a system of, um, supremacy of white, cis, hetero people. And, and, you know, you can't undo one without undoing the other and we need to undo all of it. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for, thank you for sharing all of that. Um, it's helped me process and even talking, I was talking with the professor at UNC Charlotte mm -hmm. and she said that um, they used to do the, the genital testing back in the nineties. And when they stopped that, they started doing the testosterone testing um, because they couldn't get away with the genital testing anymore. Um, and they've just sort of clung to that and it's gotten out of control. And to your point, they, it, she says it happens more with trans women than trans men because there's this idea that, oh, well, if they're a trans man, they're not gonna be as good as the cis men or the real, you know, anyway. So they don't even, they're, they're, not, they're not policing as much though they are. Uh, trans men as they are trans women. And so it's a fascinating conversation. And I hope to continue having it for everybody to understand 
how interconnected all of these oppressions are. Um, so I wanted to take some time to do some education. Okay, uh, one of the things that we have been thinking about at Myers Park Baptist is how we can support the transgender and gender expansive communities through helping people feel like they can be who they really are. And one of the things that we've been discuss discussing is supporting buying binders. And I had a member say, well, what, this person thought I was talking about like school binders. <laughs> and I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> um, and uh, I oh, think- Oh, class as well, however. <laughs> yes. I think one of the introductions that I had to binders was probably back in 2013 when I was in graduate school in New York City and I had a classmate begin to transition. And that was really when I was awakened to pronouns and people changing names. And this person was talking about binders. And I was like, well, what's happening here? And, you know, I, I sometimes forget the privilege that it is to be in these kind of, I mean, I went to NYU, which is really like a progressive East wow. West Village. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of diversity and acceptance for the most part in that space. And I forget that everybody did not have those awakenings at 24 years old, like I did. Can you share a little bit about your awakening to um, gender expansiveness or to pronouns or even uh, to the ways in which we physically um, support ourselves through transition, whatever that is? Oh gosh, sure. And and do you want me to maybe give a quick overview about binders for those? Yeah, I mean, we would love that because I think that the people listening um, are uh, overwhelmingly unfamiliar with that language. Sure. So um, you know, to understand binding, I'll just give a really quick overview that, and and this is also really important, I think, for the non-discrimination ordinance. So you know, those reading the non-discrimination ordinance, you'll see two different um, references. You'll see gender identity and gender expression. Those two things are not the same. They are heavily related, but they are not the same. So basically, gender identity is our internal uh, innate intrinsic understanding of who we are, right? And gender expression is an outward, um, sometimes visible, sometimes audible expression of who that identity is. And the reason they're separate but related is that someone's outward expression, you know, what they're comfortable sharing with the world or even with themselves might not align with who they are internally. And there's lots of reasons for that. But um, we have a program at Transcend called the Expression Space. It's a wardrobe, it's located behind me, and it's full of all kinds of uh, free gender-affirming clothing, shoes, makeup, wigs, and specialty items like binders. And a binder is a tool that, uh, that folks can use um, in their expression journey to compress chest tissue. And that's important for folks who may or may not be experiencing gender dysphoria, which is where, um, you know, our, our concept of how our physical bodies look um, may or may not align with our internal identities. Mm. Binders are um, kind of a soft tank toppy material. And, and basically all it does is safely compress chest tissue towards towards the sternum. And, um, you know, we do lots of education. We, we, we measure people so that they're doing it safely. Um, you know, we would always ask you could come, come to us, we'll, we'll measure you, you get one for free. And we would always ask that, you know, people who, especially who are new to the practice, you know, if you can, if you're able, please come see us because we would always rather set you up safely than, you know, folks, folks who are, um, you know, 
maybe don't have the resources, you know, we've seen people do this with duct tape, with ACE bandages, and we would just always say, please do this safely, please do it correctly um, and protect yourselves. But it is it is a wonderful tool um, and it can really help someone who is, you know, maybe outwardly transitioning or outwardly aligning their expression to their internal gen- gender identity. Um, and and to your point, we're just so grateful for for partners who are who are interested in raising the funds for these because while everything in our closet is donated, our clothes, our shoes, so on and so forth. Finders are a little bit more expensive and they're really hard to come by. So we don't get as many of those donated and oftentimes we have to order them, um, you know, a la carte for individuals and, and that can get a bit pricey. Um, we also offer breast form fittings, which um, is pretty self-explanatory. Um, and it's kind of, you know, the same concept. It's aligning one's outward expression um, with their internal identity. It's, a, it's an affirming practice and it's really beautiful. I will tell you, Oftentimes, I even debated whether or not to record this podcast in the expression space um, because there is just such a phenomenal energy in that room. Mm-hmm. I just the happiest tears. I mean, I have to, in fact, I have to schedule serious calls that I might have throughout the week on days where I am not uh, working with clients in the expression space because there's always happy tears. You have to be prepared to be emotional. It's just, it's a wonderful program and we're grateful for all of our community partners for helping us make it possible. Bethany, thank you for sharing. Um, I know that it's a, a lot to talk about and language is so important. Um, one of the things for a moment of vulnerability for me has been learning from um, this com- particular community that is exploring gender identity and expression and, and many things. Um, and I, as, as somebody who identifies as she, her, um, and I, I don't have any interest in identifying Otherwise, every once in a while I use they, I just sort of feel like, you know, it's just kind of like push the conversation forward. And, um, you know, I have struggled with my chest tissue. And as a as a athlete growing up, I didn't really have a, what they would call breast. I didn't really have big breasts. And I was like, whoa, I can run track. I don't have to do anything. And then as I've gotten older, now that I'm in my 30s, I'm like, okay, these things are getting a little out of control here. And it really has been particularly my transgender and non-binary friends who have given me the language to kind of discuss my discomfort. I can say discomfort, not everybody may use that language, but they have given me the language to say, okay, this, I don't, I don't really like this today. <laughs> um, and when I was looking at binders online, just trying to educate myself, it looked a lot like a sports bra which is like the thing that I like wearing. I I hate sort of underwire and all of that. Although my chiropractor says I need to stop wearing fourth rods back on my back or whatever. But um, I was just thinking about how even as a, and we were talking earlier about how this conversation applies to everybody, whether they're trans or non-binary or cisgender or whatever, right? And I'm thinking about how it, how helpful it could have been for me as a cisgender woman or girl at the time in high school to have had this language around just chest tissue and maybe discomfort or maybe just not feeling it that day. A lot of times it was lumped into some sort of psychological, you know, you're having dysphoria and that's a bad thing when really it's not. I mean, it's okay to say, I'm not really feeling this. And I feel like this particular community has affirmed that wrestling for me. And so I just want to thank any of my friends who are listening, you know, um, who have helped me with that language and to thank you and the work that you are doing at Transcend as well. That's really, that's really kind. Thank you. I, um, you know, I've been working on a really labored metaphor for, for gender that I, I have 
sort of semi-tested out in a couple of different um, educational opportunities. And I think I'll bring it up here because I think it could be really important. And then I, I had one other thing that I want to say, another caveat. But so again, the binary and helping other people understand, like, you know, we, we think of the binary as a, as a magnet. You know, there's an opposite, two opposite ends and nothing in between, right? Um, and that is not true. It's not an apropos um, comparison. And, and the way that I kind of think about gender, people talk about the spectrum and, and I'm a visual person. So if you consider another form of binary that we often reference, night and day, and people even use this, oh, they are like night and day, you know, people will say apples and oranges, whatever. But let's talk about the passage of time in a 24 hour period. Every microsecond is a different you know, there's different amount of light, there's a different, you know, temperature, there's a different um, change, uh, you know, in, in the in the environment in our in our in our ecosystem, every second is different. And, you know, we think about polar opposite and pinpoint, um, pinpoint identities, but really, it's not just the sun and the moon, it's it's every microsecond in between when when we see and what we don't, and we have our own perception. And then if you think about even things like, eclipses or, or cloud coverage or whatever, there can be simultaneous light and dark, you know, during an eclipse or during a really heavy storm. And so if we think about identity or gender identity in that way, right, and we and we boil human beings down into bright, bright pink and, and dark, dark blue, and that is the only thing. But if you, you know, people talk about the color spectrum, we think about all the micro differences of color in between and around, and, and it's the same thing, I think, with, with the passage of, of time in a 24-hour period that, you know, and I don't know how many, you know, we get, it could probably be infinite microseconds or whatever, but, you know, th then there are infinite identities is my point. Yeah. And, and something that we try to say at Transcend is there is no right way to be you. There is no right way, quote unquote, to be trans. There is no right way to be non-binary or gender fluid or gender queer. And, and really something that's important and to your point, even if someone considers themselves to have a binary identity, Right. It's important to to understand the infinite representation of genders in the universe, because if you start to lock other people into a box, you have to live by that same standard, which means that feelings. And, and just first of all, I want to honor you and thank you so much for sharing that vulnerability with myself and your parishioners, because that is really beautiful. And, I, you know, I just want to thank you for that, because it, it helps me say then, you know, to your point, without language, without the allowance to consider you know, well, wait a minute, I, I might be breaking, you know, the feeling that I'm having, the thought that I'm having is breaking out of this very strict standard. You know, that's when that's when people become oppressed. That's when people become marginalized. That's when people face suicidal ideation or, or work, you know, violence and oppression um, because of being different, because, you know, you you complicated things beyond this very boiled down, simplistic this versus that. And, you know, just to kind of my last caveat in bringing up this concept of violence and oppression, Charlotte Charlotte has now become the second deadliest city for trans uh, trans folks um, and specifically for trans women of color. Um, this this was released and talked about on the national level, uh, you know, following the, the two murders that took place in Charlotte. I'd like to say their names, Jada Peterson and uh, Remy Fennell. And, um, you know, that's that's important. And 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 it's because right folks look different folks act different folks do not adhere to this very closely defined structure and and um you know the reason that the ordinance is important you think well what is employment of 
employers with 15 people. It sets a precedent. It sets a rolling snowball in our culture that says all people are protected. You don't have the right to to disparage or disadvantage or disrespect this person just because you because they're complicated to you because you don't understand and i think that it is so important for you to lead in conversations like the one that you were just so brave enough to share with me is that you know normalizing quote unquote this concept that we can ask questions that we can move beyond this strict binary thinking will will eventually lead to you know equalized thinking that hey even if i don't understand that i'm not going to go raise heck about it you know what i mean yeah. um, a lot of thoughts jumbled in there but it it's it's just it's really important it's really important to to give yourself grace um i said something to you know a lot of, a, lot, a lot of times very common conversation i have in this very office and i'll sit in this chair that's on the side and then folks will sit over here and i am not a counselor and i want to put that out there but you know just folks that come to 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 chit chat with me maybe before a session or after um it, you know is rejection family rejection well this person doesn't understand and then this person that i was at work and then my boss you know referred to me as he and it was mortifying and i didn't want to do anything because i didn't want anybody to jump me after work because i close and it's dark and whatever right just horrifying conversations and that the thing that is so heart you know heartbreaking to me is that it's it's pretty much every person that comes through my door and you know they'll say something like i feel affirmed here but after i leave that's not the case um you know something about identity to me um I know who I am, right? I have that gift. And part of the reason that I have had that gift is because I have been put in situations where I have had to be introspective and decide where do I stand here? You know, who who am I? You know, again, getting back to this concept of how am I going to communicate myself to other people? And there are certainly folks who have experienced much greater oppression and marginalization. And the point that I'm trying to make is that when folks are put in that position, and they are forced to communicate who they are, right? People always say, oh, pride, be who you are, but don't shove it in our face. No, pride exists because, well, first of all, it was a revolution. We all know the story of, you know, Stonewall Inn and so on and so forth, but our modern celebrations exist. You know, you have to celebrate yourself when no one else will. You have to raise your own issues. You know, I always try to tell people, stop putting, stop putting the responsibility of breaking down oppressive systems on the backs of people who are oppressed. But that's not the case. Oftentimes, you know, the, the people who are in those marginalized communities have to raise the issues. They have to defend themselves. They have to stand in the gap. And so, you know, people who have been through those experiences intrinsically know who they are because they have to, right? If you are not an identity that is that is kind of normatively accepted by your culture, you have to find the words to express who you are. You, you are going to go through these conversations where people are like, defend yourself to me, prove who you are. And as egregious as that is, there's also a gift in that because when, you know, when people oppress or marginalize others, when people say, oh, this pronoun nonsense, oh, roll my, roll my eyes, the thing that I immediately feel is pity because that person doesn't know who they are. That person has not taken the time to understand the beauty of their own internal identity and come up with the words and, and been told, you know, find different language because I don't understand, so on and so forth. And so my hope is that we will get to a place where we have all done that introspection in the absence of oppression, right? That it's not brought about because of marginalization, but we have all taken the steps to really understand who am I internally? What does that mean to me? What does that mean to others? And, um, you know, how can I, how can I have an impact moving forward? That's positive. So yeah. I, I went off on a bit of a tangent there. That's no, that's no, there are no <laughs> tangents. It's conversation. <laughs> so I, I wanted to take a moment to just 
sort of summarize uh, or to wrap up our conversation. It has been so good, uh, Bethany. Thank you for your time and your energy. And although Transcend is not an organization that supports any particular religious religion experience or anything like that, spiritual experience, um, at Myers Park Baptist, um, I and many of the people in the congregation um, believe in a God of the in-between. And so when you were talking, you're giving us that beautiful uh, imagery of be what happens between night and day. I could only think of how could I best describe this in a spiritual way to my people at Myers Park Baptist. Um, and, and that God is in the in-between, right? So not just night and day, but there is so, there's milliseconds as you describe um, that God is walking through the universe. Um, in the in-between, in the moments um, that don't get defined by binaries. And so anybody who's listening who might even be a person of faith or want to hear that, I believe in a God of the in-between and Myers Park Baptist believes in a God of the in-between, um, an expansive God, a God that is, that's wider than many of our imaginations. And so that guides a lot of the work we do, the justice work we do, and the, the, the want to lean into conversations like this. Um, so I will end there with that and won't get too deep theologically to bore you. <laughs> but if you need resources, um, I'm, I'll be happy to, to recommend some books. You can send me an email at Myers Park Baptist Church or MyersParkBaptist.org. You can find my email on the website. But Bethany, do you have any closing thoughts or anything that you just want to, to share and leave with our listeners and viewers? Oh, goodness. Um, you know, it's that you are not alone. Um, you know, I think COVID has been you know, uh, obviously, right, a huge isolating factor, and we're, we're still battling it, you know, there, there are there are talks of maybe even, uh, you know, more storm before the, the dawn. So I, I just want to encourage everyone, um, you know, as, as, as Pastor Mia just said, you know, there's, um, there's organizations out there, Transcend is certainly one of them, you are not alone, you are cared about, you're loved. And, you know, I, something that I try to tell every client that comes through is, um, you know, regardless of where you land spiritually, it is, to me, a personal fact that that everybody is is a gift on this earth. You your your very presence, um, you know, your very energy, your very um, movements throughout the day matter. They matter to us. Um, and please, you know, know that if you ever need to reach out, we're here. Um, you know, you are loved, valid, and and valued. Yes, yes, loved, valued, and uh, valid. That's what you said. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yes, loved, valued, and valid. Um, Bethany, thank you again, and thanks to Transcend. For those of you who would like to support this organization, please go to their website. Tell us the website. Transcendcharlotte.org, and both of those are all spelled out. Okay, perfect. I will put that also in our, our uh, podcast notes. Um, if you would like to reach out to me, please feel free to email me at mmccllain at MyersParkBaptist.org. Um, Bethany, thank you. And I will see the rest of you next week for our next special guest, which will be a treat. Y'all have a good day. Friends, that was our episode this week. As always, please email your questions and your suggestions to Reverend Mia McLean at mmcclain at myersparkbaptist.org. Until next time.
Take care. This is Sacred Justice. 